Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Um, so, 40 years, and I hate saying 40. Like, it just is so long ago from the 80s, how far we've come. <laughs> oh, it's sad. I always think it's like 20 years ago. I'm like, oh, I was 20 years ago. <laughs> right? Let's just I go with 20. We're just yeah. bad at math. This is 20 years ago. <clears throat> 40 years ago, this week, the number one movie in America was one of my favorites. I love it. And I think my husband knows every single line to this movie, which is Mr. Mom. Oh, yeah. Okay. Was John Candy was in that, right? Or was that Keaton? No, Michael Keaton and Terry Garr and uh, Dabney. No, no, he was. Dabney Coleman. No, 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 no. The other guy, Martin Mull, who was the boss, like the real Ah. scumbag. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. They don't make movies, like, good movies like that anymore. You know? Yes. Barbie. Did you see Barbie? I didn't, but who told me they enjoyed it? Did you tell me? Did you see it? No. I know um, we had dinner with the Schlichters when they were in town last week, and Arena is Kurt Schlichter's wife. She was like, no, it's great. And I just looked at her like, really? <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if I would go to the theater to see it, but I, I would maybe watch it on TV when it's free. Like, I would give it a go for free, <clears throat> but not the hassle of going to a movie theater. I wouldn't see it, I don't think. Yeah. No, somebody but, said, you know, because there was so much criticism, I guess, of it. Um, You know, I guess not to read too much into it, but I'm not going to go see it. I'm with you. Good. Of of course you are. Well, maybe they'll make a good movie again someday, but probably not. (laughs) But if not, and if you haven't seen Mr. Mom, it's a classic. It's so great. And a little slice of the 80s where the woman, working woman goes off, you know, career traveling, et cetera. And the dad is unemployed and has to stay and take care, take care of the kids. I mean, people should watch it because there's nothing else to watch, right? I mean, the stuff is so horrible now. I mean, that's what we do here. Like, we just watch stuff from the 70s and 80s. (laughs) Basically, we just watch on Tubi, which plays that stuff over all the old old, uh, TV series or movies. And, you know, I went through Fantasy Island. I watched that series, you know. Um, I was watching Vegas great because I'm from Vegas and that's when Vegas was good and there's all it's just because the current stuff is so awful there's really nothing else to watch you can't lose by picking a good 80s movie this is so true so true so Julie what is happening this uh never the news cycle never stops so what's the latest because there's a lot of stuff going on in the news even though it was a holiday on Monday there was a holiday Monday well there was a holiday Tuesday my birthday. <laughs> yes. Well, right. So Julie's birthday is a national holiday, um, but we celebrated it at the federal level on Monday, along with Labor Day. Um, exactly. Exactly. With- you know me. I'm I'm too humble. I don't want to be like, oh, everyone take the day off for my birthday. So you just call it Labor Day. <laughs> right. So. So, yeah, um, so what's the latest? Yeah. So obviously the latest, the big breaking news the past week. Um, I was in D.C., as you know, because I saw you. Was it last yes. week? Oh, my God. Wow. I know. Um, so I was in D.C. last week covering the sentencing hearings for the five proud boys. Enrique Tarrio, Joseph Biggs, Ethan Nordine, Zachary Real, and Dominic Pozzola. Uh, all had been charged with seditious conspiracy and other related alleged crimes. Four of the five were convicted by D.C. jury of seditious conspiracy back in April. Dominic Pizzola was not. Um, and the government came back, DOJ, Matthew Graves, D.C. U.S. Attorney's, uh, D.C. U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves came back asking for outlandish, like mass murderer type level sentencing for these individuals um, who have already been in prison, by the way, uh, I think Joseph Biggs has been in prison since January of 2021, denied release pending trial. Um, so they really came back, I think, in two situations, asked for like they could have been up to life in prison. But ultimately, I think the highest level was 33 years in jail. And with that, Liz, 
how they got to that level was DOJ came and asked Judge Tim Kelly, a Trump appointee who is an absolute he, he saying he's an offense to justice and the rule of law and constitution it isn't enough. I, I can't really describe how bad he is. Came to Judge Kelly and asked for a terrorism enhancement. And this is something that the government has been at, that DOJ has been asking for in other cases, too. But the t- act of terror, Liz, that DOJ Matthew Graves claimed should result in up to 10 extra years in prison was the shaking of a temporary metal fence on Capitol grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And the only people who were directly, even remotely involved in this were Ethan Ordine and Joseph Biggs. And the evidence that they even shook this fence is kind of sketchy. Enrique Tarrio was in Baltimore, ordered to leave Washington, D.C. He wasn't even in Washington, D.C. that day. Zachary Real had nothing to do with the fence shaking, neither did Dominic Pizzola. But Pizzola is the guy who smashed one of the windows with riot shield. Everyone has seen that. Nonetheless, DOJ oh, says. Did, did they have ahead. film? Did they have video? Is there video that they presented as evidence of the fence being shook? Or is did one of the police just say that? I mean, I, I'm not sure. They had open source video that okay. they played in court. Um, I actually have it posted on my Substack. People can see, if they can bear to watch it, Liz, if they can bear to watch this act of terrorism, the shaking of a temporary fence, it's just like 9-11. <laughs> it, will, it will remind yeah. you of airliners going into the World Trade Center. It's so traumatic, which is what the what DOJ compared it to, by the way. Um. So Judge Tim Kelly, in his wisdom, agreed with DOJ that shaking the fence was equal to a crime of terrorism because one of the stipulated crimes for a crime of terror in the terrorism statute is destruction of government property. Now, Liz, people probably created that. Their intention was maybe thinking of like a federal building in Oklahoma City or attacking a military installation, something along those lines, not shaking a fence. But uh, Judge Tim Kelly, nonetheless, agreed that he would add this terrorism enhancement. So um, Enrique Tarrio, the ex-leader of the Proud Boys, sentenced to 22 years in prison. Uh, he was the, what was the story with him? Right. Because everybody knows he wasn't even there. Right. So Enrico Tarrio was not in D.C. on January 6th. So how did they connect him to what happened like i i want to think right with a familiar with our justice system or what i thought was our justice system that there would be evidence showing that he was somehow involved in a plan to do i don't know what since there really wasn't a plan (laughs) um that's right how did they how did they get him like how or did they even try i mean did they try did they do they bother even presenting evidence or do they just say things what's the story there they basically just say things, and um, I I just finished my Substack column where I posted the jury instructions. So basically, what the jurors were told, how you can reach a guilty verdict for seditious conspiracy, and Liz, it's basically whatever you want it to be, right? The conspiracy could be whatever you want it to be. Is the conspiracy to shake the fence? Was the conspiracy to enter the building? Was the conspiracy to yell at a police officer? Or was it to overthrow the government? Was it to stop the joint session of Congress? They they never articulated it because they didn't have to. The language in the statute and in the jury instructions is so vague that it says basically anything to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of a law of the United States. Now, think of how that could be applied to, to anything, well, like, to Code Pink, you know, who repeatedly interrupted all sorts of formal proceedings from the Senate confirmation hearings, those people are constantly interrupting uh, official right. proceedings. Um, all not the time. To mention, you know, getting in the faces of, you know, sad senators like Jeff Flake, um, who's now out of office, thankfully. But uh, I think during the part Kavanaugh, of, Kavanaugh confirmation right. hearings, also. Regula- Go ahead. No, also the execution of, of a law. They're trying to confirm a Supreme Court justice. I mean, that's a law. Yep. It's a constitutional obligation. 
if anyone watches congressional hearings regularly, like I do, sad sack, almost all of them are interrupted by code pink. Like they're all, all those hearings, House, Senate, whatever, not even just confirmation of Supreme Court justice. They're always interrupting stuff. Um, And there've been other times when there've been sit-ins in the Supreme Court where they bust into the building and they sit in or into Congress. So the problem is really that the law is being selectively applied in addition to not even not being improperly applied at all. I mean, nobody thought this is what I mean, when this these kinds of laws are passed, especially anything related to the Patriot Act. You know, we we're all assured back in 2001 that this was not going to be abused. You know, these ter- this terrorism enhancement. These were not going to be abused and it was going to apply to terrorism. But of course, now here we are, you know, and all civil libertarians at the time came out and said, you know, this is a really bad idea to do this because it's going to be used. It can be used improperly. It's there's abuse and there's no uh, check on it. And here we are now where, you know, terrorism is shaking offense or in Enrico Tario's case, I don't even know how you would like, how did they connect him to what happened on January 6th? Because he was involved in planning in the group's planning to go to January 6th. So and in these group chats that, by the way, were also embedded with FBI informants, as the entire group was months beforehand, um, the language was too inflammatory. They talked about the rigged election. They referred to 1776, which means that they were trying to revolt rebel against the government, which think about that for a second. So now any reference to 1776 or rebelling against the federal government now is a crime of terrorism instead of just a right that we have as American citizens. So they went to the Capitol, they organized to go to the Capitol. Um, They met, they brought a bunch of people with them or instructed them to go. They met at the Washington Monument at like 10 o'clock in the morning on January 6th. Enrique Tarrio wasn't. He was arrested when he got to Washington, D.C. There was a warrant for his arrest for burning a BLM banner, allegedly burning a BLM banner in December of 2020. They arrested him, ordered him to leave the city, which he did. So he wasn't even there. None of them brought weapons. None of them had weapons on them. Ethan Nordine is walking around Capitol grounds with a beer in his hand, because, of course, that's what you do when you're going to overthrow the government. Right. Ethan Nordine walked into an open door with Capitol Police standing right there, which is exactly what you do when you're going to overthrow the government. I mean, the absurdity of it. So people can go to my Substack. I posted the jury instructions and I posted video clips that the American people haven't that people haven't seen. Because to your point, Liz, people want to know, what did these guys do? They did nothing. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It's scary because as we talk about a lot on happy hour, you know, half the country is living in an alternative reality. So all they see about this is what they're told by the dummies at CNN or MSNBC or HuffPo or The Hill or some rag, you know, tabloid like that. So they just see that these people and, you know, I would say there's like maybe 20 percent of the left of the Democrats that are really, truly, honestly extreme. And I think there's the the re- a lot of the other people. It's not that they're not extreme. It's just that they still think that the system works as it should. So when they see a headline that says Enrico Tario and all these proud boys were arrested for terrorism and seditious conspiracy, they just think, oh, okay, like uh, this is all above board, right? That there's been a jury trial, there's evidence and it was presented and said these are this is evidence of the, you know, of the attempt to overthrow the government. This is all our evidence. There's video evidence. There's texts of them saying we are going to overthrow the government. Um, that probably triggered the NSA, by the way, when I just said that out loud, like on some listening device I haven't disabled in my house. But, you know, that kind of thing, people see that and that's what they think. They have no idea like what's actually going on internally. They just see the headlines and they think the system is functioning as it should. They don't know that the institutions have been captured. And 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 so we move forward and they say, well, yeah, no, I mean, they were going to overthrow the government. Jury convicted them. What, right. Like jury their peers, which is laughable, of course. Um but it's, it's scary stuff because, like I said, I don't I mean, I what what is that? My my question is always going to be what was the evidence of connecting and, and making travel plans to come to Washington, D.C. is a First Amendment protected activity. It's something a free person does to make travel plans to go places all the time. 
<clears throat> exactly. But no more. Can't do it anymore. Certainly don't do it in group chats where FBI informants are embedded. Um, the FBI informants, by the way, told DOJ and told the jury there was no plan. And get this, get this, Liz, you'll love this the most. This moment stuck out to me during closing arguments, the uh, DOJ prosecutor telling the jury, first of all, there doesn't have to be a plan. There doesn't have to oh, be a specific okay. plan. And the conspiracy, get this, you can agree to a conspiracy basically without you even knowing you're agreeing to a conspiracy mm -hmm. because under the law, the conspiracy has to be at least two people. A conspiracy, an agreement to, to the conspiracy can be implicit. It can be something like a wink and a nod. This is what the prosecutor told the jury. It can happen at the moment the alleged crime occurs, like shaking the fence, whatever it is. This is the sort of bizarro world that is happening in Washington, D.C. courthouses. So it doesn't have to be a plan. You don't have to agree with it verbally written or otherwise. You could like wink and be like, OK, wink, let's shake this fence <clears throat> and commit terror. That's the seditious conspiracy. That is and I'm not making this up like this is all documented. But to your point, they didn't have to, as one defendant told me, this jury hated us. They absolutely yeah. hated us. The judge hated them. The jury hated them. The prosecutors hated them. So there was no way they were ever going to get a fair trial. Yeah. Have they, Furthermore, um, what's a fair trial when you need no evidence, there's no burden of proof, and it's basically a made-up law that you can turn into anything you want, want it to be? We've become such a, a balkanized country that the idea of having a judge and jury, which is a great one, you know, the United States jurisprudence in, on paper is is the greatest in the world. You know, that you're innocent before proving guilty and that's a jury of your peers and that there's an adversarial process where there's evidence presented and then it's refuted or, um, you know, so on. And, or, and the other side makes each side makes their case. And you, again, have a jury of your peers that looks at that and makes a decision. But we don't that doesn't exist anymore. You know, that's not what you're getting here in D.C. Um, and these guys, I don't think they they absolutely did not get a fair trial. Have have the appeals started? I mean, are they filing appeals or what? Right. So I know the lawyer for at least one, Ethan Nordine, just filed, um, you know, that they're transmitting a letter of appeal. And then you have time to actually, you know, draft, write your brief, the appellate brief for the court to consider. So, but it's still a very lengthy process, right? Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, people don't realize there's like a lot of cases that do get to the Supreme Court and they've been brewing in the system for like 10 years. You know, you have to go through a really long process. Again, the appeals process, the appellate court, you have to go through that. I mean, it's a very long, long, long process. And it's easy for us to say, well, you know, the Supreme Court isn't going to take any of this shit. Yeah, fine. In 10 years, in 10 years right. where these and I'm sure that the judge is not going to agree to let these men be free until, they, you know, pending appeal or whatever. You know, it's that's not what's going to happen. These people are in jail. They're going to be in jail and they're going to be waiting. And of course, our lives are ruined. Their families are destroyed and all of this peripheral damage. So, again, it's easy to say, well, that's going to get to the Supreme Court. Um, so and they'll stop it or whatever. Maybe who knows? You know, the Supreme Court, you never can 100 percent guarantee either. But it even though it seems pretty straightforward, um, but it's it, it it's terrible. And these are terrible precedents. Um, That's right. That's the danger. Terrible, terrible precedents. Although if the the right, I don't even want to say Republicans. I mean, I don't even really consider myself a Republican anymore. I'm disgusted with the party, the Republican, yeah. most of the Republican elected officials. Um but we we should be using this system against them the way they use it against us if we were serious, because what needs to happen is a sort of threat of mutually assured destruction, which is if you do this to us, we're doing it to you. And that always used to kind of keep things in balance. Right. Like knowing that, right. well, if we do this to them, they're going to do it to us. But we've lost the system. The institutions are so captured that we don't have recourse now and they're running, they're, you know, running roughshod over us. Um, but we still have red states. I mean, in those red states, we should be bringing up, you know, put Anthony Fauci on trial in Missouri. 
you know, put them in fucking put them on trial, like bring these people, start filing charges against these people in states where we know we can win just like they do to us. And again, reestablish that mutually assured destruction to stop the um, exploitation of the system. But, you know, that's not going to happen because, you know, the Republicans suck. They suck. (laughs) <laughs> well, what did the Georgia attorney general do? Um, he filed a RICO lawsuit against the group that's the trying to people. Go ahead. Yeah. So in in Georgia, there's um, they were building a uh, training center for police uh, to train better train them out in kind of the suburbs of Atlanta. <clears throat> um, I think Antifa just did not like they thought they were going to. That was a big that was a big deal for them. And so there was actually one of the little shits got shot. And that was in the news, one of the Antifa, because they were like sabotaging and attacking this um, training center for police, which, you know, again, happy hour with Julian Liz, solid record of not friends of the police here. We do not, we're not fans. But, you know, this is a training center to train police to be better police officers, which I can't disagree with. I think that's a good thing. Um, and so they're building this and the Antifa people didn't like it. So they were sabotaging it and attacking it. And um, so there was someone, one of the Antifa people got shot because they fucked around and found out. And, you know, I think it was a legitimate, um, you know, I think it was a legitimate shooting. But the attorney general of Georgia filed a RICO charge against the Antifa people that had been sabotaging this, this, this uh, training center. So it's stuff like that where that is the kind of thing that needs to happen like across the board. I mean, yes, that's great in Atlanta. It's a good start, but it should be going on right now everywhere like Texas, Missouri. Let's go. That's right. That's right. You know, they need to know that we're going to start dragging in federal bureaucrats and maybe you're going to get sued in a state where, you know, you're going to have Cletus and Becky Joe on your jury. Right. And not some shit that works (laughs) fucking feds. It's going to be a little different, you know, (laughs) seriously. I mean, it's sad. I don't want I don't like it to come come to this. But, you know, this is kind of where we are and we have to kind of use the tools we have. And again, you know, the Republicans are consistently giving up. They are they cannot roll over and show their belly fast enough on any issue where we might be able to obtain some sort of leverage. They cannot roll over fast enough, you know, because we're having a budget. The budget is we're we're going to run out of money. And, you know, we have the threat of the shutdown and the Republicans, you know, they're already like, let's make a deal instead of being like, no, we're going to shut fucking down. So anyway, back to what you were saying. Um, So, yes, this is we need to be using the system the same way the left uses the system against us in every single instance that we can. That's my two cents. Yes. And speaking of um, useless people who roll over and show their belly and are basically complicit in what's happening, especially DOJ brings us to Colorado representative Ken Buck. Uh, who is that Buck? Is that Buck with a B or an F? I'm just I kidding. think we should change his name <laughs> because that's what we do here on happy hour. If we can turn yep. something into profanity, we're doing it. We do it. We do it. So I'm just pulling up Ken Buck's letter where he is responding to, um, let's see, the El Paso County Republican Party, who apparently sent him a letter concerning the treatment of January 6th defendants in federal custody. So um, this was forwarded to the Colorado GOP Central Committee. So basically, they're trying to get their representatives' attention to this matter because they are all, for the most part, ignoring it. So Ken Buck basically goes on. I'm not going to, I won't read the entire letter, uh, but defends at every turn what this Department of Justice is doing to January 6th defendants, Mm -hmm. i.e. Trump supporters, i.e. Ken Buck's constituents. Voters. Voters. Voters, right. And I'll tell you the tone of this letter, he has such contempt for his own people. I mean, he's just a smug asshole, right? So um, anyway, I don't know what his district looks like, but hopefully he'll have some kind of primary challenge, which will go nowhere. But maybe it can make him spend some money and make his life miserable. Um, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. And then I don't go ahead. ahead. Well, I just want to say that what's just so astonishing is that someone like Ken Buck, who obviously knows 
shit about fuck doesn't go and get his ass briefed by somebody who does know what's going on before he spouts off about this shit in a letter. You know, I mean, there's constant briefing going on in Congress all the time. People are always going to the Hill to brief congressmen or committee members on an important issue that's relevant, whether it's tech, AI, um, any kind of legislation, not just lobbyists, but just groups that have interest and knowledge and subject matter expertise on a certain topic. And they're always going. There's always briefings. So here's this little shit. He doesn't know anything about it. Do you think he bothers to say, hey, let me find somebody who seems to know about this before I publicly sign my name to a letter where I look like a jackass? No. You know, I mean, this is this is the mentality of these freaks that we've put into office. That's right. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm glad you said that. Well, Liz, we don't know what we're talking about because unlike Ken Buck, we weren't a prosecutor for 25 years. So this means that Ken Buck knows everything there is to know about our fair judicial system and the equal application of the law. I mean, this is basically the lecture that he's given. I can't even read it. It so infuriates me. So he's, okay. he's the system. No, but Ken he Buck is. is- the system it's like these people do the the the, all of the you know the judges in january 6 and these prosecutors i often ask myself do these people believe the shit that they are putting into their papers you know in their filings and that they're arguing and the question is it and the issue is it doesn't matter because they will do absolutely anything and everything to ensure the status quo and the current power structure and that is also ken buck he is part of that system. He's a prosecutor and da da da, just like our friend uh, Dexie's Midnight Runner, Annie McCarthy, who too also is a prosecutor and has a big investment in the continuity of the status quo. And so that's what you're seeing here when you see stuff like this, where this guy is doesn't give a shit to go get briefed on actually what's going on from someone who knows, and instead, you know, kicks into I have to defend the status quo of which I am a part because he's a swamp creature. Okay, go ahead. No, that's well said. And for example, Liz, in his letter, instead of citing, say, my work or somebody, one of the few journalists who's covered January 6th, certainly the D.C. jail conditions, certainly the violations of 1A4, A5, A6A violations going on to this day, he cites as in his letter sources, Associated Press, The Guardian, (laughs) New York Times, CBS News. The Justice Department itself, uh, who else do we have here? Politico and another New York Times article, which is fine. They do, they've do they done some good work on January 6th. I'm not going to say that they are, but they definitely have a slant. So his argument is, well, if there are violations of 4, 5, 6A, then the defense lawyers should file motions on that. Um. What does he say here? Your letter. Look how callous he is. Look, you know what I mean? Look how callous. That's a good word. Callous. He just does not give a shit. Does not give a shit. The 14th Amendment provides equal protection under the law and due process. While many January 6th defendants have decried the process they face as unfair, it is the process every federally indicted criminal defendant in this country goes through. That's what Ken Buck, a Republican, who, by the way, sits on the House Judiciary Committee, that's what he said. Oh, sorry, um, Joe Biggs, I know you're a Purple Heart veteran with no criminal record, and you were charged with obstruction of an official proceeding and then denied release repeatedly, languished in solitary confinement for months so the government could torment you into a plea deal. But then they added a bogus, seditious conspiracy charge, a crime, by the way, no American has ever been charged with or convicted of before January 6th. But hey, I'm going to tell you this is all fair and this is what every federal defendant goes through. Yeah. And, and and talking about federal defendants, the left has this massive artifice, this infrastructure to protect the civil liberties of the other defendants. But those those groups like the ACLU and all of these like prison, you know, the groups trying to get people out of prison for being wrongly convicted um, and these other civil liberties organizations, they don't give a shit about what's going on to the J6ers. They do not care. You don't hear any peeps. No press releases, no like hashtags, you know, no rallies. 
Um, and that's because they are tools of the left and not actually people that are interested in the topic. And the right, of course, has nothing. In fact, all they have is these little shits like Ken Buck, who's like, you know, who's like, just I'm on the other side. He should get his ass kicked off judiciary. I mean, Jim Jordan would never do it, but I love to see that guy kicked off judiciary. He goes on to say, for you to argue this specific set of defendants have been singled out and denied due process is misleading. He also says it is inappropriate to suggest these defendants are being singled out for their political views. It is sad that Republican leaders are misdirecting the energy and resources of Republican activists at this time when the country is facing crises after crises as a result of the failed policies of the Biden administration. As we unite, as we unify over the real problems facing Americans we can succeed in restoring uh, common sense conservative policies for freedom. It signed Ken Buck. What? You know, one of his little staffers wrote that. I mean, obviously he didn't write it, but some stupid ass dumb shit staffer wrote it. You're right. It's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. Um, And as long as we have representatives like Ken Buck and we have more than than not. okay, we're just we're in trouble. You know, we're just in trouble. We've lost. We're losers. You know, we're losers. Well, so, Marjorie you know, Taylor Greene, th- as usual, came out and she posted like an eight tweet thread calling out Ken Buck saying, you know, he never visited the D.C. jail. Of course, he didn't. She was only the only one with Louis Gohmert. I think Matt Gates went at one point, too. Um, he hasn't seen any of this for himself. I'm sure he hasn't talked to a single January 6th defendant or a defense attorney. I mean, everything in his letter, with the exception of a claim that people have been denied release, only charged with misdemeanors. That's not true. Um, but that's why they add the felony obstruction of an official proceeding bullshit post Enron law, because then they can say, well, you're accused of a felony, so we should deny your release. Um, so. That was the only error in the Colorado letter. But otherwise, everything he says in there, it's not just ignorant. It is a full on rubber stamp, green light, pat on the back to Merrick Garland and Lisa Monaco and Matthew Graves that this is a okay. I mean, they must just sit there dying laughing at the fools that we have for leadership in this party. Totally. I mean, it's it's so it's so predictable for them. And this and and Buck has no like intellectual curiosity at all. Like, hey, maybe I should look into this, what people are saying. You know, maybe I should right. take a little bit of time and say, hey, what's what is going on here? But no. Right. He is out there spitting the talking points of the establishment and of the status quo. It's very disappointing. But like I said, you know, we're the Republicans are in trouble. We have more Ken Bucks than we have other the House Freedom Caucus. Right. That's that that that's just the way it is. I mean, it's it's unfortunate. And as long as we have our own people, you know, stabbing us in the back, it's one thing to say, oh, well, the left and the Democrats are our enemies. Actually, Ken Buck is a bigger enemy than they are because he's in the house, right? Like it's what the call is coming from inside the house. That's Ken Buck. Right. That's Ken Buck. Shameful. Shameful. So, but I will say, and pox on both houses of Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis, who, um, you know, and we've talked about this offline, but um, I don't think Donald Trump has said anything about these excessive sentences for the Proud Boys. Maybe he's been warned not to because the risk is the government DOJ made Donald Trump a key figure in the case and the trial of the Proud Boys. And I still I'm believe sure his lawyer told him to shut up. I'm sure his and if his lawyer told him to shut up and Donald Trump did shut up, that would be a first. That's, <laughs> That's his true. First. That's um, true. But because he still is at great legal risk, Jack Smith still has his D.C. grand jury going, investigating January 6th. People clo- who have better sources at DOJ than I do tell me that Jack Smith's not going to bring a superseding indictment against Trump. I still don't believe it. I don't think he's done with a four count weaselly indictment of obstruction and then three conspiracy counts like i can't believe that that's all jack smith is going to come up with against trump for january 6th what do you think liz well i think he's maybe he's got this possibility out there to kind of see how other things go 
right? Like he doesn't have to bring anything, but he wants to be able to. And depending on how things turn out in the other cases that are going on, I mean, again, because this isn't really uh, what at face value, I mean, nobody should take this at face value. It's not, yes, there's an, you know, we, we're going after Trump for an actual thing. I mean, this is a tool. This is just like punishment. So I don't, I think he's going to just kind of sit tight and see what he, what he can or can't do, you know, based on how other things rule out. Because again, Trump is getting, you know, he, he's got a variety of things going on in different states as well. Um, they're all go- going after him for different things. So, and the purpose, right. again, isn't to like seek justice. It's punishment. The process is the punishment. So <clears throat> we'll see. I mean, I'm like you, I'm jaded and cynical. So I, I would not be surprised if they do. Um, they just charge him for espionage and say he should go into, on a firing lot squad. Now, what are <laughs> right. the consequences of these things? You know, there are consequences to this that is are going to cause a lot of civil unrest. You know, people have had enough of this who are paying attention on the right, that part of the right, the, not the Nikki Haley crowd, but the, you know, the, the actual legitimate right. And they they know this is bullshit. And it's not it's interesting because I listen to podcasts that aren't like hardcore political podcasts that touch on political issues. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite podcasts is All In Podcast. With um, David Sachs and Chamath Pal. Oh, Pal- right. Pal- okay, you've told me about I that. I love yeah. All In. I love it. They're four guys. They're all, well, three are smart. One is I hate. That's Jake Hal. Um, <clears throat> but they're all smart and they're not, they're tech people. They're entrepreneurs. David Sachs is a little, is political. But like, even they know this is bullshit. And these are people, and, and David Sachs is really the only Republican. Chamath and, and Feinberg, they're lefties and Jake Hal's super lefty. They know this is fucked. I mean, this is these people are aware that something is grossly wrong. And so the more they push on this, the more they're causing like a really serious civil unrest, you know, and maybe they don't care. And maybe that's what they want. Maybe they want that so they can just put it down once and for all. You know, I mean, that's certainly an idea that's crossed my head. What about you, Julie? <clears throat> yes, sure. I mean, this is what they're pushing everyone towards. And I do think, Liz, that these excessive sentences and the things that the judge said in the Proud Boys case and the fact that no one can really see what these guys did wrong, I think that this has brought a new level of attention to what's happening overall. Um, and so I think once they start hauling Trump into court, uh, whether it's the Georgia case first and, of course, Tanya Chutkin, the judge in D.C., handling uh, Jack Smith's January 6th indictment against uh, Donald Trump, has set a March 4th trial date. So, you know, as this continues to, to really escalate, I, it it's getting to a dangerous level, right, because people are outraged. I mean, I did eight interviews on Wednesday, um, you know, just back to back. And it wasn't, you know, hey, what's the latest? It's people trying to get a grasp on what what just happened and why they are sentencing these guys to like mass murder level prison time. So I do think that this has been another escalation, but that's exactly what they want. Right. This is what DOJ wants. Yeah. This is what the Biden mm-hmm. regime wants. It what It's what the D.C. judges want. It's what the corporate media wants. They want to just keep pushing to see how far everyone will go. Um, it's, but the problem it's really, is that it's not just us, right? Like, so you're not just talking about the kind of, okay. So you're not just talking about the kind of people that went to rally on January 6th, right? Like, again, as I say on their shows, I like to remind people there was always an event planned at the Capitol. There were people that were ready to speak outside, you know, the Capitol when this process was going on. This, this was all already planned. First amendment activity permits were pulled and approved. So, not just those people anymore, because, you know, I mentioned all in podcasts. Well, a couple weeks ago, Joe Rogan had on Joe Rogan, who's like the largest podcaster in the country, had on Dave Smith, who's a comedian. And Dave Smith was just 
going down the facts. He was speaking truth to power. So that's on Joe Rogan and Dave Smith, who does identify as a libertarian. He's a stand-up comedian, but you know, he's a lot, really, really big following. And he, again, he's on Joe Rogan and he's just sitting here talking about the Whit- Whitmer fednapping and all this bullshit trumped up charges against Trump. Then you know that we're not just talking about the kind of people that turn out on January 6th. You are talking about a much, much, much larger population of people who themselves are not like probably they're not super highly political, but they are kind of paying attention and are like, well, this is screwed up. These are people who probably bought in and believe that the, you know, in the system. And that is where it gets dangerous. So maybe they can keep pushing and see what they're going. And it's again, it's one thing to kind of, um, you know, have the feds like instigate the stuff that happened on January 6th that at that, you know, I don't know how many people you're talking about, but when you're but when you're talking about a Joe Rogan audience, you know, and and then some and then, and then even more people than that, this that's a different animal that we're talking about entirely. So, yeah, that's a good you know, I, that's a good sign. I mean, th- th- this is just the regular dude who likes Joe Rogan and listens to him because he likes to talk about wrestling. This isn't a fucking political activist like a don't tread on me flag outside their house. And when you lose those people, that is, you know, that is uh, is dangerous. Can you put that down? You know, are they going to stem some uprising? And I, I don't mean like a actual uprising, but I mean, c- can you stem that? public that the public turning against the institutions i don't know they're trying they censor social media precisely for just that reason so go ahead julie right so it's good that it's getting that you know this is going to a broader audience and that people are less afraid to call this out certainly (laughs) than they were two and a half years ago when it was basically me you tucker and darren Beatty. Right. I mean, and and Lee, uh, like Lee Smith, like we were the only ones who were like, wait a second. So now that it's become more mainstream, and I do think that that's part of the escalation, right? Is and I mean, Tim Kelly, Judge Kelly, brought this up in one of the sentencing hearings last week, and he he must be aware of the criticism. He has to be, and said, I know people are trying to compare this to the BLM riots in 2020, and why those crimes have not been prosecuted the same way, but that that didn't interfere with the constitution. Like this is the kind of, so they're aware that more and more people are second guessing what they saw on January 6th, the government's involvement, the excessive sentences that selective prosecution. So they're losing the narrative, right? DOJ and the media are losing the narrative. So they're getting more desperate to force people to believe that this was an armed insurrection committed by domestic terrorists loyal to Donald Trump. They've well, lost and we, the plot, right? Well, They've lost well, it. And, and to further further your point, I mean, we just got done of four years of getting basically an election interference enema under Trump, right? That Russia interfered with the election by whatever, right? I mean, there are dummies out there that think Russia was like literally flipping votes in machines on election day, and that's why Trump won. And at the same time, you have, what, five different courts, federal and state courts are trying to file charges against Trump to to what? Keep him out of the election. That's election interference. You know, it's just it's such a cognitive dissonance. Normal people are going to scratch our heads and say, what what is going on here? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and. This continues to be tragic in many ways, Liz, because we found out that last week a 22-year-old boy, young man from Utah, who had been arrested and charged uh, early August on the four common misdemeanors, uh, he was 19 on January 6, 2021, went to the Capitol with his uncle. Um, His name is Nord Meekum. He comes from, he's one of 10 children uh, in a very tight-knit family, it looks like, living on a rural ranch in Utah. Um, and he was charged, investigated by the FBI, charged in August. And on, Oct- on August 28th, when Judge Reggie Walton in Washington, D.C., another unhinged lunatic, set Nord Meekum's arraignment, um, he killed himself. This oh, is the terrible. at least the fourth known suicide. I think they're up to six or seven suicides of January 6th defendants because instead of being subjected to the torment 
that this uh, DOJ and D.C. court system will inflict on him, destroying his life, calling him a terrorist, et cetera. Um, he took his own life. And, yeah. you know, so the prosecutions, the torment is still ongoing. They're arresting new people every day, basically. I mean, I think last week was one of the most active weeks in the January 6th prosecution. So the idea that this is going away, that it's not going to be a political issue, you know, I don't care how much these president GOP presidential candidates want to wish this away. It, it's not going to happen. So you well, have to confront what are they it and arresting deal with people it. On? Like, what are they? Like, who are these people that they're arresting now? Is there a statute of limitations on this? Or I guess it depends on what they're charged with. But right. who, who are the people they're getting? So, for example, you know, the four common misdemeanors parading, disorderly conduct, restricted, uh, you know, being in a restricted area, um, things like that. So still misdemeanors. They're still slapping the felony obstruction of an official proceeding. Civil disorder is another one that they seem to be picking up on. There's still charges for assaulting or interfering with law enforcement. So it's the same charges, basically. But they're just continuing to to round people up. And, you know, you saw the case. And this is why this Liberty, is it Liberty Safe Company? This yeah, was yeah. great. That's a this great, great story. Tell that story, Julie. I, this is like, a, this story, honestly, in the, the garbage dumpster fire that is this news cycle, this story literally nourished my soul. Like, I could feel it, my soul growing powerful as I read this story. So tell people what the story is. So, um. Let's give some background. So it was a uh, a man who Nathan Hughes, who is uh, I believe he lives in Oklahoma. I'm just pulling this back up because I want to make sure I get my facts right because I have like a gazillion just random things in my head. Um, so a man was raided by the FBI related to his conduct on January 6th. I think he was charged with civil disorder and a few misdemeanors. So it's not like he tried to kill a police officer or anything. Um, they've got the let's see. Redo this. Uh, FBI raided his this man. Um, not only did they access his safe, the FBI turned off his security camera, held his girl, girlfriend at gunpoint, etc. Uh, in a statement, Liber- Liberty Safe. So he had guns in this Liberty Safe, and Liberty Safe turned over um, the the code, the access code to the safe, so the FBI could access the safe and. Um, take this individual's guns and Liberty okay, so safe. This then is in like a, this is basically, this is like a backdoor to the safe, right? Because you have a gun safe and you set the combination and you, you know, set it up so that it, you put in your numbers that, you know, in addition to that, the company has like a backdoor to your safe. Now, one of the issues is did the liberties because Liberty's like the biggest safe gun safe, a company or safe company in the country and do the customers know right when you go to buy it do they say oh also we can give that to anyone else i mean it's basically like when you go to home depot and have an extra key to your house made does home depot keep a copy too and say well we have, we have a backup if you need to get in there that that was kind of the issue is that the customers didn't i believe the customers were not aware that liberty had a backup and this is a case people forget their combinations and um, you know, that you have to drill into the safe, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a mess. Sure. But the point is Liberty, I don't think Liberty disclosed to, cause if you have a Liberty safe and you've got your combination, call them up and say, Hey, I need, I need the backup. Can you give it to me? But I don't think the customers knew that Liberty had that. And so that also, and then they, t- they turn, you know, and, and, the, and no company should have that. Okay. You're going to hear it from me. That it should not be an option. And Browning, if you're listening, I hope your safes don't have the same thing. But that shouldn't even be a thing. So when the feds come with a warrant, you say, sorry, I don't have anything to give you. Okay, continue, Julie. <clears throat> right. I think that's good. So they got massive backlash after this was reported. And they said, okay, well, you know, we got the warrant. And so we turned it over to law enforcement. We protect the Second Amendment rights, blah, blah, blah. So they just got thrashed on social media. I think they shut off their replies yep. to the statement. But then they have come out with another uh, statement. We have revised our policies around cooperation with law enforcement. Okay, good. Going forward, we will require a subpoena that legally compels Liberty Safe to supply access codes, but can only do so if these codes still exist in our system. So, right. 
Exactly. That is how this shit is solved, is that you don't have that to start with. And like I said, when the feds come and say, we need this, you say, I'm sorry, I have no information to turn over to you. I mean, it's a, the, the, I think the, one of the huge issues is that the customers probably did not know that Liberty had this ability, first of all, because gun owners do not play. They do not play. And right. it, if this was straight out there and they said, look, we're also going to be able to get into your safe at any moment, <laughs> gun owners would not buy that safe. They would not. Right. do. I mean, I know these people. I'm one of them. That That's a huge issue. So I'm so happy to see that they got lit up. Um, they deserve to be lit up. I don't give a shit what their statement is. Yes, you had a warrant. Yes, you had a subpoena. And again, the solution is you don't even have this ability in the first place. And if you can't get into your safe, then you're going to have to call Safecracker. You're going to have to call Safecracker. And that's just the way it is. You're a big boy. That's that's my position. And there's so many other companies that have been cooperating in ways that are questionable and their customers probably have no idea that they are patronizing a company that is doing things like that, this, without their knowledge, that they kind of have been getting a pass. You know, I know we've talked about Bank of America, volunteering to turn right. over all sorts of information, Verizon. They're like, oh, no need for a subpoena. Let me just give you all the information of everybody who happened to be in Washington, D.C. that day, even if you were like, I don't know, at a Starbucks, <laughs> you know, and nowhere near the Capitol. So P th these companies have gotten off scot-free, but Liberty Safe, because specifically, I think the gun community, again, they don't play. We do not play. They got lit. They got their ass lit up, and they basically shit where they eat because that—that's their consumer base, right? The gun owners. So, well, that's a little minor victory <laughs> for our side. Um, yeah, but you know, it does demonstrate when people organize it and are infuriated and understand law enforcement abusing their power, but that these companies are just rolling over. And look, this is nothing new. Like you said, Bank of America, big tech has been turning over, you know, Google, uh, uh, you know, big tech, cell phone providers, geofence warrants, Amazon, you name it. They have handed over whatever customer information, including deleted information to, to the FBI so they can hunt down these J6ers. So this was, again, I think what we're just talking about is how they're losing the plot and yeah. how, you know, this is su such overreach and such abuse of a, a authority on every level. This is not just the FBI, but local law enforcement who involved in this raid. Um, I mean, it's the same thing, armed raid, SWAT team vehicles, you know, terrorizing the neighborhood. This is... This is the sort of thing that, you know, hundreds of J6ers have been subjected to. So, again, it's just another little way to peel back the onion and expose what's happening. So I guess to that to that degree, it's a good thing. Definitely. <clears throat> well, that's like a, that's our hour, Julie. I know we buy really fast. Crazy. All our righteous indignation. Love it. Um, I know. So uh, are we going to be here next week? We are. All right. And I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about because the news never stops. Um, the insanity never stops. So thank you for listening to Happy Hour. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. Happy Hour, Julie and Liz. Give us five stars. Have a lovely weekend and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week.